Uh, we're going to continue a series we started last Sunday. So last Sunday uh, was Easter Sunday, and we began celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we really just kind of dove into the realization of the power of the resurrection and what God has done and what God has accomplished because Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. So let's look in Luke chapter 24, and we're going to just reread the resurrection story from Scripture. The Bible says, Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, and then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. I want to stop right there for just a second. They went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And the reason I want to stop is because I want to remind you of something. I want to remind you that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is not just about spiritual life. We have been raised to life. Any born-again people in the house today? When you got born again, you got raised to life. You went from being dead to being alive. But I want you to understand the resurrection of Jesus Christ is not just about a spiritual resurrection that happens in our hearts and our lives. It's actually about a physical bodily resurrection that one day we're going to get a glorified new body. Right? The Bible says that when Christ returns, the dead in Christ are going to rise first. And then we who are alive are going to be caught up in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. Come on, somebody. That's some good news. And we're going to be changed, and we're going to be given that glorified body, a body that can eat, a body, come on, eat, a body that can eat. That's a good news. Come on. How many are glad we're going to eat in heaven? There's probably a taco bar in heaven right now. You know, the Bible says that the things in heaven are shadowed on earth. So we're eating tacos today. They're probably having tacos in heaven. I'm not sure how that works. But a body that can eat, a body that can smell, a body that can taste, a body that can touch. And we're going to have this glorified body that's going to live forever without the stain and the stench of sin. How beautiful that's going to be. And then I was thinking about the resurrection story and I was thinking if you remember where Jesus is, uh, the disciples are locked behind doors because they're afraid of the Jews and Jesus has been crucified and, and now he's resurrected but they're still wondering what's really going to happen and Jesus appears, right? He kind of magically appears in the room and then he disappears and it's amazing. I was thinking about that this morning. I thought how awesome that is. What a great way to travel one day. Come on somebody. What a great way to travel. Star Trek has nothing on Jesus. Beam me up, Scotty. I'm just going to say, I want to go to church over here. And bam, I'm going to go to church. I don't like driving anyway. So that would be an awesome opportunity. So we are experiencing, through the power of the resurrection, not just a spiritual transformation, but one day we're going to actually have a physical transformation with glorified new bodies. And we're all going to look strong like Rob over there. He is so tough looking. Amen. I like you, Rob, brother. All right, look at verse 4 with me. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered in the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. And look at verse 9. And they returned from the tomb and they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. That little phrase, and they returned from the tomb and they told all these things. That phrase captured my heart this week. Because I begin to think about how that when you experience the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, how it is such an impactful supernatural transformation that you actually do really want to go and tell. Anybody remember that? You remember when you got born again and you felt the weight of the world lifted off your shoulders? You remember when your eyes were open and for the first time you could actually see and hear and know 
that God loved you and you were not an accident, you were on purpose and there was a plan for your life? Do you remember how excited you were? Do you remember those days? You need to, you need to stir yourself up every now and then and remember what it was like when you got born again. I remember I was 15 years old on a Sunday night at a little Baptist church over here in Gold Ridge, Alabama and I remember getting born again that night. And I remember going home and my sister Teresa who's in the house, let's hear you Teresa. There she is. I remember telling her that night before we went to bed, I said, I can't wait till I go to school tomorrow because I want to tell all my friends what Jesus did for me. 15 years old. Now, I wish I could tell you I became this on-fire evangelist for Christ. I did not. I was a pretty shy guy back then. But I did go to school the next day, and my friends that were close to me, I told each and every one of them, hey, I got saved last night. Jesus saved me. And as I was thinking about that scripture, how that when they returned from the tomb, they went and told the eleven and everyone else. I kind of think you could probably rephrase it. And they told anyone else that would listen to the message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I begin to think. And I begin to ask myself, Lord, why is it that so many Christians don't go and tell? Why is it that in our American Christian culture, we are seemingly intimidated and afraid to share our faith and the hope of the gospel that comes through Jesus Christ. And as I was kind of pondering and praying over that question, I felt like the Lord just challenged me. He said, Keith, I believe that one of the reasons that people aren't going and telling is because they don't fully understand the power of the resurrection. And what Jesus Christ has really accomplished and done in our hearts and in our lives. And that we have something in Christ through the resurrection that is so exciting and so life-changing. That when we truly understand it, we can't help but go and tell somebody. So let's look at our foundational thought for this series. Jesus is alive. He has risen from the dead. And because the tomb is empty, our lives don't have to be. Because the tomb is empty, our lives don't have to be. Last week, look at that next point, we looked at the resurrection of Christ. We said the resurrection of Jesus Christ fills us with a living hope. That we have hope in life and we have hope in death because the tomb is empty. We have hope in life and we have hope in death because the tomb is empty. And we learned last Sunday, Easter morning, Resurrection Sunday, how that the hope that we have in Christ is not just based on something that has happened and it's not just based on something that's going to happen, right? We have hope in Christ because Jesus did rise from the dead and we have hope in Christ because one day we're going to be resurrected with Christ. But we also have a living hope because the Bible says that when you got born again, the God of hope, took up residence in your heart and now you have this life-giving hope that burns in your heart that you know that you know that you know in your darkest deepest hours there's something in you that says let's keep pressing on we can't give up we can't throw in the towel we can't stop now why because the God of hope has taken up residence in your heart and you have been resurrected with a living hope in Christ Look at that next thought. If you're a note taker this morning, it'll be the first point on your outline. The resurrection of Jesus Christ fills us not just with a living hope, but with a life-giving faith. And because the tomb is empty, our faith is alive. 
I want to just remind you of something I'm sure that you know, and that is simply this. The foundation stone of our faith as Christians is 100% rooted in the resurrection of Jesus. Everything that we believe as followers of Jesus Christ is contingent on one thing, and that is that Jesus rose from the dead. Now when you think about the life and the ministry of Jesus, his life is amazing. It is miraculous to say the least. You just look at the virgin birth. So Jesus was born to a virgin conceived by the Holy Spirit, announced by angels. And then Jesus was not only virgin born, but he lived a sinless life. Never lied, never cheated, never came short of the glory of God. He did everything perfectly to the will of his Father. And then Jesus died a sacrificial death so that you and I could have life and have it eternally. But think about this. His virgin birth, his sinless life, and his crucifixion on the cross all mean nothing. If he doesn't rise from the dead. If Jesus doesn't rise from the dead, he's an amazing man. He's an awesome man. He's a spectacular man. But he's not the Savior of the world. It is the resurrection of Jesus Christ that distinguishes him as the Savior, the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, the prophesied one. The one who was foretold of old. Even from Genesis 3, that there would be one who would crush the head of the serpent and bring freedom and liberty to all who would believe in him. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the foundation stone. It is the hinges upon which everything that we believe as Christians lives and moves and has its being. And I think the more that we are rooted in the resurrection, I think the more firmly our faith will be, as we're going to see today, that a faith rooted in the resurrection of Christ is a faith that wins the day. Amen? Let's look at some scripture together. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Apostle Paul drives home this realization of the foundation stone of the resurrection. He says, Now Christ has preached that he's been raised from the dead. How do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty. King James uses the word vain. It is powerless. It has no impact. It has no influence. It has no power to change your life. If Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty and vain. If Jesus hasn't risen from the dead, then I'm wasting my time preaching to you today and you're wasting your time listening to me. And then he goes on. He says, yes, and we are found to be false witnesses. If Christ doesn't rise from the dead, we're false witnesses because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up if in fact the dead do not rise. And if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. Verse 17, and if Christ is not risen, he says it again, your faith is futile. It is empty. It is powerless. And this is a sobering point. Not only is your faith empty, but you are still in your sin. Paul is driving home the realization that the foundation stone of our faith, that everything that we believe is contingent on one thing, Jesus rose from the dead. And he goes on in verse 18. 
He says, then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ, fallen asleep in Christ, if there's no resurrection, then they have perished. And if in this life only we have hope in Christ and we are of all men the most pitiful. But now, come on somebody, but now Christ is risen from the dead. And he has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Look at Romans 1, 1 through 5. Paul again is speaking. Listen to what he says. He says, this letter is from Paul, a slave of Jesus Christ, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news. And God promised this good news long ago through his prophets in the Holy Scripture. The good news is about his son, Jesus. And in his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line. Look at verse 4. And he was shown to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ our Lord. Listen to what Paul said. He said Jesus was born in the natural, the lineage of King David. But he was shown and declared to be the Son of God. Not by an earthly pedigree, but by a heavenly pedigree because God raised him from the dead. Jesus had an awesome ancestral heritage. But apart from the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he would have been another man or a good man. But when he rose from the dead, he was declared to be the Son of God. The Son of Man who redeems the world from death and eternal destruction. And Paul said it's the resurrection that seals the deal, that affirms the reality that he was who he says he was. Look at verse 5. He says, and through Christ, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God has given us the privilege and the authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them so that they will believe and obey him, bringing glory to his name. Let me just say this to us today. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have the privilege of being Christians. We have the privilege of telling other people the good news of the gospel. It is a privilege that you have resurrection life. It is the privilege of God through Jesus Christ that you can be a child of God. And I meet way too many Christians that are intimidated by the world, that are afraid of the world, that are almost ashamed of their identity in Christ because it might offend somebody in the world. But the Bible says it is through the resurrection of Christ that we have the privilege and we have the authority to declare Jesus as Lord. To declare Him as Lord of all. And the fact that we're sitting here today in a free country where we don't have to fear the fact that we are Christians, it is amazing to know that we have such an amazing privilege. And we have been given such a holy authority. Apostle Paul said in the book of Romans that God has given us a sacred trust. It's called the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is a privilege and an honor to have the authority to tell the world who Jesus really is. Amen? What a blessing we have in Christ. Look at that next point. I want you to see this. If Jesus conquered death and rose from the grave, then nothing is impossible with God and nothing is impossible to those who believe in Jesus. If the resurrection is real, if Jesus really did rise from the grave, if Jesus really did conquer death, hell, and the grave, then nothing is impossible with God and nothing is impossible to those who believe in Jesus. 
Luke 1 37 says, For with God nothing will be impossible. Matthew 19 26 says, But Jesus looked at them and said to them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. If Jesus is the resurrected king, then guess what? Nothing's impossible with God. If he can conquer death, hell, and the grave, then he can conquer anything. When you think about in our natural world, death is the trump card of every dream and every vision and every life. But Jesus trumped the trump card. Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave. And if Jesus conquered death and hell, then nothing is impossible with God. But not only is nothing impossible with God, but the Bible goes on to say that nothing is impossible to those who believe in Him. Let me read a scripture to you. It's Matthew chapter 17. Jesus' disciples have come to Him and said, Lord, why could we not cast out this demon? Why could we not set this boy free that had been afflicted by the enemy? And Jesus said to him, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith, as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to who? And nothing will be impossible to? Faith in the resurrected Savior. Faith in the resurrection power of God. Faith in the one who conquered death, hell, and the grave gives you the power to speak to any mountain and command it to be moved in Jesus' name, and nothing will be impossible with you. Let me just go ahead and interject something here because we're going to kind of work through this together over the next few minutes. And that is that one of the things that the Lord showed me through this message is that unfortunately we have a misplaced faith. It is faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ that means that nothing is impossible to those who believe. But the challenge that we're going to see today is that if we're not careful, we'll have faith in faith. We'll have faith in ourselves, and we'll have faith in our knowledge of God to know and do the things that we believe God has called us to do. And what I want to show you this morning is that any faith that is not rooted in the resurrection of Christ is a misplaced faith that will not produce the results that God has for you. Now, let's just talk real quick about the power of and the impossibility of God to do anything. So I was thinking as I was studying this week about our Hollywood heroes. I know we got some Avenger fans in the house. Let me see you out there. Any Avenger fans? I'm going to hold both hands. I love it all. It's really cool, right? I hate to break it to you. They're not real. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Not real sure about the Easter Bunny either, but come on, Jesus. Okay. I was thinking about Hollywood heroes. I was thinking about all the Avengers. And I was thinking about how cool and how amazing it is. And they're, they're unstoppable and they're invincible. And, and I was thinking about Thor. You know, he's a demigod and you can't seem to kill him. And he's stronger than anybody else. And nobody can lift his hammer and all that cool stuff, right? And I was thinking about Thor. And I was thinking about Jesus. And I was thinking how Jesus is not a demigod. He is God. Come on, somebody. And he doesn't have power. He has all power. As a matter of fact, he's the source of power. Everybody else gets their power from God. All things that exist, exist by His power and by the word of His power that has been spoken in the world. And nothing exists apart from Him. 
But I was thinking about that and I thought, you know what? What's amazing about Jesus is not just that he's all-powerful. And it's not just that he conquered death, hell, and the grave. You can't kill him and you can't stop him. But Jesus did something that no avenger has ever done. Jesus not only conquered death, hell, and the grave. Not only is he all-powerful and almighty, but Jesus has said, whoever believes in me can do what I did. And you can live forever and never die. If you have faith in me. That kind of like like Thor saying, anybody that believes in me can be me. Anybody that believes in Superman can fly like Superman. Anybody that believes in Spider-Man can shoot webs out of their arms. They're all cool and they're all amazing. I love watching them. But at the end of the day, there is a real superhero. And his name is King Jesus. And every avenger must bow their knee, come on somebody, to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And nothing is impossible with God and nothing is impossible to those who believe in Him. Amen? So let's talk about this life-giving faith that we have through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So a life-giving faith that is rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I want you to see this, is a faith that endures the hardships of life. It's a faith that endures the hardships of life. And as I was praying, I really felt like this is one element of faith that we probably don't really like to talk about. (laughs) It's a faith that endures. Because nobody here in this room has to be convinced that life's hard. (laughs) If you're five years old, maybe. (laughs) Everybody else in this room knows life is hard. It's filled with cancer and heart attacks and strokes. It's filled with divorce and addiction and death. It's filled with tragedy and sorrow and bankruptcy and tragedy that our minds really can't even fathom on most days. And nobody in this room has to be convinced that life is hard. But what we do need to be convinced of is that when we have a faith that is firmly rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, then we have a faith that endures. We have a faith that endures through the hardest, most difficult, most challenging times. Because guess what? Our resurrected Savior never quit. He never gave up. He never stopped short. He pressed through and He came out on the other side. And the same Spirit that raised Him from the dead lives in me and you. Listen to what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 11 is the hall of fame of faith. But Hebrews chapter 12 says this. It says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with, there's our word, what? Let us run with? Endurance, the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, there's our word again, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, when your faith is firmly rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there's a faith that endures the hardships of life. The disappointments, the heartache, the heartbreaks. Those days that you think you can't even go on one more day is when that resurrection faith sustains you, empowers you, and pulls you through those dark hours of your life. When you can't see a way out, 
Resurrection faith focuses on the way. <laughs> God, I can't see a way out. He said, that's okay, just focus on the way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And it is that resurrection faith that is focused on Christ that endures those storms. When you read the Bible, one of the most interesting things you won't find is you won't find Jesus ever promise us that following Christ means we get an easy pass in life. As a matter of fact, I want to read one more scripture to you here, and we're going to move on to our next point. But the Bible says this in Matthew chapter 10, verse 22. Jesus is speaking. He says, And you will be hated by all people for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. Persecution, tribulation, and heartache comes to everybody. You and I are not exempt because we follow Christ, but it is our faith in the resurrection of Christ that gives us a faith that endures. Aren't you glad he didn't quit on the cross? Aren't you glad that when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and his sweat became like great drops of blood, that he did not say, I'm done, it's enough? Aren't you glad that when they had stripped him naked, beaten him to an inch of his life, and nailed him on a cross between mocking crowds and soldiers, that he didn't say, I'm done? There is a resurrection faith that gives us the grace to endure the hardships of life. And come out. I'm just going to tell you, some of my greatest heroes of faith are not the ones that won the prize. <laughs> They're the ones that endured the most. And they kept their faces set toward the Lord. Years ago, the Lord quickened something in me that I've kind of held on to in my life. And I made this statement. I said, I would rather die in faith than live one day in fear. I'd rather die in faith believing God for my breakthrough than to live one day in fear tormented by the enemy with no hope of a better tomorrow. Amen? So when our faith is firmly rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have a faith that endures through the storms of life. The second thing I want you to see is that a life-giving faith rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ is also a faith that overcomes. It overcomes the opposition of the world, the flesh, and the devil. I love overcoming faith. This is a fun thing to preach about. Faith that overcomes. Faith that conquers. Faith that wins the day. But I want you to look with me in 1 Peter chapter 5. I want to read a scripture to you this morning. Because a, a life-giving faith rooted in the resurrection of Jesus is a faith that overcomes the opposition of the world, the flesh, and the devil. 1 Peter 5, 8, 9 says this. Stay alert and watch out for your great enemy, the devil. For he prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. So stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering that you are. I was praying this morning, and as I was praying, the Lord gave me a vision of Ukraine. He said, Keith, do you realize what is happening in Ukraine right now? And as you begin to think about the images and the videos that we've all seen, the devastation of war, the refugees, the casualties, the dead bodies laying in the street. The Holy Spirit said this to me this morning. He said, Keith, he said, what you see in the natural happening in Ukraine is a picture of what is happening in the Spirit all around the world. See, something that we forget is we forget we're at war. 
The Bible says, Jesus said, Satan is the prince of the power of the air. And that he is the God of this world. And the Apostle John said that the whole world lies under the sway of the evil one. We are living in a war zone. And if you don't know that, and if you don't remember that, then you actually get surprised when somebody shoots at you. But I promise you right now, all those Ukrainian men that have not fled the country, that are standing fighting for their country against the Russian oppression, not one of those men since the battle started has forgotten, I'm at war. And their heads are on a swivel, and their ears and their eyes are alert, and their gun and their ammunition is loaded and ready because we are in a battle, and we are at war war if you don't know you're at war then you'll be surprised by the attacks yes there are hardships in life that come to everybody but how many of you also understand there are actually demonic attacks that come against your life to abort the purpose and vision of God that he has for you and for your family And the Bible says that it is through faith in Christ. Stand firm in the faith. Resist Him and stand firm in the faith. It is our faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ that gives us courage to stand in the face of the enemy and say, get behind me, Satan, and get under my feet because greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. And all of a sudden you recognize it is that faith that is firmly rooted in the resurrection that gives you victory over the enemy. But not only are we fighting against a real devil, but I want you to look with me in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 and 5. It says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. How do we know he's the Son of God? Because he was raised from the dead. This is a victory that overcomes the world, our faith. It's our faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ that gives us victory over the world. Let me just say to you today, unfortunately, we are living in a world, an American culture, that has bowed its knee to the world system of perversion and corruption and compromise. We have a world right now that has compromised convictions. We have a world that has compromised moral purity, integrity, holiness, righteousness. There is such a confusion in our world today. Boys and girls don't even know if they're boys or girls. And it is our faith in the resurrection of Jesus Christ that gives us the boldness and the courage to overcome the world. To stand against and say, we will not bow, we will not bend, and we will not budge because we are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's that faith in the resurrection that gives you the courage and the confidence to that. I was thinking just through the scriptures over and over, men and women of God stood against the culture of the world. I thought about Daniel who stood against the culture of the world in a pagan society that demanded idol worship. He said, I will not bend, I will not bow. And because of his willingness to stand, to overcome that culture, he was thrown into the lion's den and God sent an angel and shut his mouth. And an entire nation said, the God of Daniel, he's the God of all the earth. Amen. It's our faith in the resurrection 
It's not our faith in faith. It's not our faith in ourselves. If you have faith in yourself and you start standing against a culture that looks like it's going to devour you, that looks like it's going to ostracize you, that looks like it's going to totally remove you out of the way, if you're standing with faith in yourself, your own ability, your own wisdom, your own provision, your own protection, you're going to cower and you're going to fall. Because let's just be honest, they got more money than we got. They got more airtime than we've got. They got more social media platforms than we've got. You know what they don't have? Jesus. They don't have resurrection power. Come on, somebody. And all the culture of the world has to bow before the authority and dominion of Jesus Christ. And it's our faith in the resurrection that this world is not our own. And this is not our home. And I'm not living for all this. I'm living for something bigger, something better, and something eternal. And I can lose something temporal to gain something eternal. And it'll be worth it all day long. Amen. Not only does our faith in the resurrection of Christ give us victory over the devil, victory over the world, but look at Galatians 2.20. This is a great truth right here. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. and I have been crucified with Christ, but it is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ, but yet I live. But it's not I that live, it's Christ that lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Think about what he's saying there. He's saying that our victory, hear me today, our victory over our flesh. How many know you still got flesh? How many know none of us are quite as holy as we look to be? I've been talking to your spouse. I know you're not. And if you talk to mine, you'll find out I'm not either. And the realization, I want you to hear this. The key to victory over your flesh, to crucify your flesh, it is not, it is not willpower. It's not willpower. The key to crucifying your flesh and overcoming the temptations, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, it's not willpower. It is faith in the resurrection power. Of Jesus Christ. That's where your victory lies. Let me just tell you something. There's always an end to your will. But there's no end to his power. We can all be broke. By the things of this world. But a faith in Christ. Is a faith that's unbreakable. And it's a faith that overcomes. Just think about it like this. If Jesus can raise dead flesh from the grave surely he can give you the strength you need to crucify your flesh and say no to sin and no to temptation and say yes to God because that's what happens when you have resurrection faith amen let me give you two more thoughts and we're going to wrap up y'all hungry come on somebody I don't know what's happening behind the curtain but it sure smells good Kind of like Wizard of Oz or something behind the curtain. <laughs> something that's some good smelling crinkle too. Look at that next point. A life-giving faith rooted in the resurrection of Jesus. Listen to this. is a faith that receives everything we need for life and godliness. A faith that is rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a faith that receives everything that we need for life and godliness. It doesn't mean you receive everything you want. But it does mean that you can receive everything that you need to live the life God has called you to live and to be godly in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation. 
I want you to hear what the scripture says. John chapter 16, the Lord showed me something I had never seen. He connected some dots I had never seen before. Look at John 16. The Bible says this, a little while and you will not seek me. Jesus is speaking to his disciples before his crucifixion, before his resurrection. He's getting ready to go to the cross. He says, a little while and you will not see me because I'm going to be crucified. And again, a little while and you will see me because I'm going to rise from the dead. And then he says, because I will then go to the Father. In verse 23, he says, and in that day, in the day that I go to the Father, in the day that I rise from the dead, in the day that I ascend to the right hand of God the Father where I'm going to ever live to intercede for you. He says, in that day, look at this, in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. See, the power of our prayer is rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And here's the challenge. I want, I want to expose a lie and a scheme of the enemy. Here's the challenge we face as Christians. We go to God in prayer based on our latest performance. And if we're doing really good, we feel like God is kind of obligated to do something good on our behalf. And let me show you how that works in prayer. It works something like this. Lord... I'm trying really, really hard, so please help me. Lord, I'm doing all I know to do, so please help me. God, I'm giving it all that I've got to give, so please help me. Do you see that? Do you recognize that the faith of that prayer is not rooted in the resurrection of Jesus. It's rooted in your efforts and in how hard you're trying and in how hard you're working and in how much you're giving to do the thing you think God has called you to do. And unfortunately, we already know this. Those prayers don't work. <laughs> Lord, I'm trying hard. Don't you see how hard I'm trying, God? I'm doing everything I know to do, God. Please, you got to do this, God. you got to do it because I'm doing my best. And the Bible says in Isaiah that your best is as filthy rags. It's the righteousness of God that comes through faith in the resurrected Savior that gives you power in prayer. So you can go to God and you can ask Him anything because you believe that Jesus is who He says He is and that He rose again and He's seated on the right hand of God the Father and that whatever you ask the Father in His name according to His will and plan for your life, He will do it. I mean, let's be really honest today. If we all got what we deserved, nobody would like what we got. If you really got what you deserved, like me, you and I would not like what we got. But praise God, the power of our prayer is not based in our performance. It is rooted in a resurrected Savior who has ascended to God the Father. And there He lives to intercede for me and you, having declared us righteous in His sight, not because of the works of our flesh, but because of the resurrection of the Christ, who has justified us and declared us not guilty, just as if we had never sin. Look at that last point today. Somebody say praise the Lord. <laughs> a life-giving faith rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ not only is a faith that endures, it's not just a faith that overcomes and it's not just a faith that receives, but it's a faith that does what Jesus did. 
John chapter 14, listen to this scripture. Jesus is speaking. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do. What does that last phrase say? Because. So Jesus said we can do what he did and we can actually do greater works than he did. Because he goes to the Father. Because he is the resurrected Son of God. See, it is a life-giving faith that is rooted in that resurrection that helps us do what Jesus did. See, you can love like Jesus loved, and you can live like Jesus lived, and you can actually do what Jesus did. You can pray for the sick and they can be healed. You can cast out demons and people can be set free. You can share the gospel and lost souls can be saved. You can make disciples and you can turn the world upside down. Only if you do all that because you have faith in a resurrected Savior. See, here's the challenge I've seen in my life and the lives of other people, specifically Christians in this area. The reason most Christians aren't doing what Jesus did is because they don't think they know enough. Well, Pastor Keith, I just don't know enough. I don't know enough to pray for somebody. I don't know enough to lead somebody to Christ. I don't know enough to make a disciple. I don't know enough to get involved in ministry. I just don't know enough. I've only been saved for 28 years. It's a little sarcasm. I don't know enough. When you say, I would if I knew more, then your faith is not in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Your faith is in your knowledge of God instead of God who wants to show himself strong in your life. Now, I believe we need knowledge. Come on, somebody. But the truth is, most of us aren't doing what we already know. What would your Christian life look like if you actually started doing today what you actually already know God wants you to do? You don't need more knowledge. You just need faith that is rooted in a resurrected Savior that says the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me and I can do what Jesus did because He goes to the Father and He intercedes for me and it's not my righteousness, it's His righteousness, it's not my strength, it's His strength, it's not my power, it's His power. And all of a sudden we begin to realize, man, there is life in a resurrection faith that is firmly rooted in the one who rose again. Let's just bow our heads together today. I want to do two things before we close today. The first question is simply this. To all of you that are here today and you know without a shadow of a doubt you're a Christian. If you were to die right now, you know that you would go to heaven. I want to challenge you as a Christian this morning. Is there any area in your life that you need to refocus your faith? Have you allowed faith in faith? Well, if I just had more faith. No, you don't need more faith. You just need a mustard seed of faith in the one who rose again. Maybe you've allowed your faith to be focused on your ability. And you pray based on what you feel like you have earned. Or maybe you've placed your faith in your knowledge. And if I just knew more, I could do more. I want to just encourage you today, let's refocus our faith. 
I really felt like the Lord said for every Christian today, that was the heartbeat of this message, just to refocus our faith on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. A life-giving faith firmly rooted in the realization that Jesus rose from the dead. And if Jesus rose from the dead, then nothing is impossible with God and nothing is impossible to those who believe. The second thing I want to do this morning is maybe you're here this morning and maybe when I said a while ago that if you're here and you know if you were to die right now, you'd spend eternity in heaven. When I made that statement, you immediately knew that wasn't you. You knew that if you were to die right now, you're not ready to meet the Lord. And maybe right now, this morning, I believe that the resurrection power of Jesus Christ is working and moving in your life. And today, by faith, you can be raised to life. Today, by faith, you can come to Jesus. And the Bible says you can be born again. That's what Jesus told Nicodemus. He said you must be born again. That which is born of your flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Nicodemus, you must be born again. And today, if you're here and you say, Pastor Keith, I want that. I want to be born again. I want to experience resurrection life now and for eternity. And I want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. If that's you right now, every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you just to raise your hand over this building. His hands are going up right now. Hands are going up right now in this building, right now. Just lift your hand. Don't be afraid. I'm going to pray with you in just a moment. I want to, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. This is your moment. This is your day. We're about to pray. If you want to raise your hand, it's a simple act of faith. But this is your moment. This is your day. If you raised your hand, you could put it down. I'm going to ask everybody in the room right now. We're going to pray this prayer together. And if you raised your hand, I want you to pray this prayer with us right now. The Bible says if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead, we will be saved. So let's pray this out loud. Everybody with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose again on the third day. I confess that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. I want to be born again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord praise today. If you pray that prayer, welcome to the family. Amen. We are so honored to have you. We love you. Uh, we've got some information, I think. Uh, Corey, we got any salvation packs in the back? Maybe not. If not, we will get you some. Very good. We'd love to follow up with you. Raise your hand. We want to help you take that next step. Christianity is all about a relationship with God, and we want to help you grow in that relationship with the Lord. Amen.